Hello, it's Kerry and Rachel. Rachel, what are you doing? You got all the good words. <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Vegetables, a podcast where we discuss hot topics in the vegan world, exposing the dirt on animal industries and sharing our complete adoration for vegetables. 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 Hello everyone, welcome to A Sausage with an Agenda. A great title. Thanks Rachel. Smash that one. Basically this episode is all about ultra processed foods. You may have heard people talking about this, you may have wondered what it means, like what really is ultra processed foods or UPF for short. So we're going to break it down in this episode. We're going to talk about what they really are and what's wrong with them, why should we not eat them. We're also going to talk a little bit about where our food is coming from in general and about substitutes if you're vegan and the pressure of profit and convenience for health in general. But first of all, before we get stuck in, we're going to do our dirty ingredient of the week, as we always do, which is an ingredient that we absolutely love, Rachel and I. And this week's dirty ingredient is cashew nuts, good old cashew nuts. Definitely a plant-based staple. Love a wee cashew nut. They're actually seeds. Did you know? Fun fact. So a little bit about the history of cashew nuts. It comes from the Tupi Indian word akaju, meaning nut. So cashews actually grow from a cashew apple, which I just discovered. So it's actually a fruit that you can eat. So it's like the apple and the cashew grows out of the end of it. So the apple tastes sweet, a little bit sour, like a normal apple generally but they don't travel too well so when you touch them they instantly start to decay which is maybe why we've never really heard of them over here in the UK anyway and these cashew apples are used for a drink which is native to Goa as they're grown in India called fenny and it's one of those drinks kind of like champagne that you can't actually call it fenny unless it comes specifically from Goa. So these nuts are native to South America but they were initially brought to Africa by Portuguese colonists and it spread from there. It wasn't for the fruit, but they, the trees were actually transported for the erosion along the riverbeds. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, yeah. I don't think I fully get that. It wasn't for the fruit, but to prevent erosion along riverbeds. So they planted loads of these trees along the riverbeds. Aha. I thought... So they brought the trees over. They and brought the trees, them. not the nuts. So it wasn't actually specifically for the nut or the fruit. Well, in in an effect, yeah, exactly. both. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I just I was just imagining like bags and bags of these apples getting <laughs> taken, and then I could understand what you meant. But <laughs> I think <laughs> now they, I get it. <laughs> they brought the apple, planted it, and voila, no erosion anymore. Oh. Yeah, because trees are really important for rivers. The more trees you plant, the more water there are in rivers. And there's a whole, um, this is a little segue, but there's a whole initiative going on in India run by this very famous guru guy, I can't remember his name. And they're, it's all about rallying for rivers and they're like planting rivers. Planting rivers. Planting trees <laughs> by dried up rivers. Planting trees by dried up rivers to try and reverse the damage of mm. drought because there's so much drought in Africa. Uh, India. Oh my gosh, I can't get my words out. Everything is coming. Trees then. But then they don't have the water for them to continue to grow. That's what I said. They, so, they, so the trees 
lead to water in the rivers. This is the thing. They create the trees create and the oxygenation and water and all this stuff. I don't fully understand the process, but the trees lead to more water in the rivers. So the more trees you have, the more rivers you have, and then the farmers can use that water to plant to water their crops and then there's less famine and drought in India, which is a huge problem. Anyway, in terms in terms of cashew nuts, nutritionally speaking, they're very high in protein, iron, zinc, and magnesium, and they help with age-related memory loss. So if you're a bit worried about um, forgetfulness, if you're getting older, then eat lots of cashews. And this like feels appealing to me because uh, Alzheimer's runs in my family, so maybe I should really? eat more cashews as a preventative measure. Yeah. And how do how I actually think oh. I, I actually I was just gonna say I think about that a lot. Yeah. About your brain, like what an organ to protect, by the way. And I shudder at the damage I probably did to it in my youth. <laughs> I shudder. I don't know. I no. It you didn't meet me. Bad. You didn't meet me at high school though. I was worse at high school. I've been having these flashbacks about that time in my life recently. I think it's part of my healing journey I'm on and I just I'm like what the fuck was that all about it was a slippery slope it could have gone very wrong there was a lot of experimentation with drugs at at an age that was not appropriate Mm. I tried most things before coming to uni before it was probably quite shocking to anyone that knows you (laughs) I know I know I remember you saying it in first year I remember you saying that yeah and I was like oh my god what I know it's not okay it's not okay and after reading a book all about drug prohibition and the harms of drugs like you can do irreversible damage if you take certain drugs before your brain's fully developed so I do think about that too so let's just hope hope that I didn't do any irreversible damage just yeah, eat a shit eat, ton of cashews just eat a shit right. ton of cashews now yeah. <laughs> so how do you use cashew nuts Carrie? I love cashew nuts I like to make them into cream for tacos so you soften them in boiling water or cold water overnight but boiling water is just speeds the process up I never think that mm. far in advance to put them in cold water the night before works great then you just blend it up with some milk or water a wee bit of salt and that's literally all you need it's so nice or I just throw them into things like salads and the like especially ferns we salad oh, yeah. that's a good one but they're distinctively roasted, which makes it all the more mm. special. Yes. Yeah, I use cashews in similar ways, but one thing that I really would like to learn how to do, and this is especially after learning about ultra-processing and who knows what's in vegan cheese, is I'd love to learn how to make cashew cheese um, from scratch. It's a very natural product. Yeah. It's naturally fermented. And those cheeses that we've spoken about a few times on the podcast now were made out of cashews, that that lady in Belfast. So, And that was the best yeah. cheese ever. So yeah, I'd love how to make cashew cheese. cheese. Yeah. So if there's anyone listening that has a good recipe, please let me know. I'd love to make it. Yeah, it sounds good. I would join you on that. Okay, so getting into ultra-processed foods. So what is ultra-processed food? What does this mean? So basically, there's this breakdown of different categories of food. It's called the NOVA breakdown, the NOVA system. So it was a researcher called Montiero who came up with this system. 
And it's basically broken down into four categories. So first of all, there is not processed or minimally processed. This is essentially food that is fresh from the source, like fruits, vegetables. It also includes meat and pasta, which is minimally processed. So we got like three ingredients. Then there's processed culinary ingredients, which is things that you use whilst you're cooking. So things like sugar, salt, oil, lard, vinegar, honey, starches, etc. So it's all these things that you wouldn't just eat a bowl of, hopefully, but you'll use them within cooking. So there's not many nutrients in these things, but they've got a lot of energy in them and things like extra virgin olive oil can be really good for you. I would say it's quite nutrient dense. Then we move on to processed foods, which is ready-made mixtures of the first two groups. So essentially a mixture of the culinary ingredients such as sugar, salt and oils, and then mixing that with the minimally processed, like the fruits and veg. So these are things like nuts, canned mm. fish, properly made bread. So that is processed still, but you're only using ingredients, flour, yeast, water. Still processed, but it's not so bad for you. Things like smoked fish as well. So smoking mm. it makes it processed. Then there's the ultra processed category, which we're mainly talking about today. And this is generally foods and ingredients that you wouldn't find in your kitchen. So these are ingredients that are solely used in industrial processes. Like if you look at the packet of something and you look at the ingredients, there's often like a million ingredients on it. Yeah. And it's really hard to understand what is actually in it. So things like modified maize starch, different types of gums, like guar mm. gum, xanthan gum, yeah. emulsifiers. Preservatives, artificial sweeteners. So often as well, another way to spot ultra-processed food is the packaging of them. Like, I've never really thought about this before, but like if you think about minimally processed foods, like, I mean, fruit and vegetables don't really have much packaging or like milk and butter. They're quite basic packaging in general. But it's the ultra-processed foods that have these lure of colourful, shiny packaging. Like they have all different things like animals on them and stars and different colors and they've also got um different health benefits plastered over them so this is things i will admit i've certainly been lured in by so things like low fat high fiber high protein things like this essentially big health claims that are plastered on the front these are basically marketing tactics to lure you in to buy the product and detract you from what's actually going on inside. So colourful packaging, look at the ingredients. If you're seeing loads of ingredients on there and you don't know what they are, it's probably ultra processed. And just generally loads of ingredients. Yeah. And if we think about why there's so much ultra processed out there, and we'll get to this a little bit more later on the episode, but it said there's two main reasons. And the first one is profit and the second is convenience. Now, I just want to read this little excerpt. Mm, Good word. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's from this book, Ultra Processed People, which I've started reading. Haven't actually finished it yet. And it is absolutely wild. So just this sentence, I honestly gasped. I gasped when I read it because I was like, oh my God, what the hell are we eating when we're eating this stuff? So this is kind of long. Mm but just listen and get confused like I did. So processes used to make ultra processed foods, including the fractioning of whole foods into substances, 
chemical modification of these substances, crops like corn and soy are turned into oil, protein and starch, which are then further modified. The oils are refined, bleached and deodorized, hydrogenated and interesterified. The protein may be hydrolyzed, the starch modified. These modified food fractions are then combined with additives and assembled using industrialized techniques like molding, extrusion and pressure changes. Wow. That yeah, that's so far removed from the home baking by your mum. Like mm. what on earth are we eating? Why are we doing all this? Literally. Like yeah. you take a normal food that you can eat very well, you can cook it and eat easily, and we do a million yeah. things to it and make it into something that is completely nothing. <laughs> I I cannot wrap my head around yeah. it. And I of can't. course our bodies just don't know what to do with this input because it doesn't resemble anything natural. So it's, it sends so many misfiring signals throughout your body and causes a whole host of health issues um, because it's so unnatural. That's the operative word. Mm. So why, why are ultra-processed foods bad then? If I go into this in a little bit more detail. So first of all, we've got nutrient deficiencies. And ultra-processed foods are often stripped of essential nutrients during processing and may lack important vitamins, minerals and fibres, leading to nutrient imbalances and deficiencies. So yeah, you think you're eating something that's healthy and you're not, and all the nutrient that your body's expecting to get, it's not getting. Um, so nutrient deficiencies. And then, of course, increased risk of obesity. So ultra-processed foods are typically high in added sugars, unhealthy fats and calorie-dense ingredients. And regular consumption can contribute to weight gain and increase the risk of obesity. And can I just say on that, sorry, there's a study done between people who ate ultra-processed food and ate unprocessed foods, or 80% unprocessed, and they had the exact same levels it was a very controlled diet, the exact same levels of fat, sugar, salt, protein. And even though the calories and everything was controlled between the two, the people in the ultra processed group all gained weight. So even the fact of it just being ultra processed mm. adds to you gaining weight. And yeah. I don't know yeah, if that it, means it, it tricks you. Full. Yeah, exactly. It tricks your hormones into like your hormone that's like. I'll do another little segue here because it feels appropriate. But the same person that wrote the book that Carrie mentioned before, he's called Chris Van Tulleken. Um, He is, yeah, he's obviously done a hell of a lot of research now into ultra-processed foods. And he did an experiment for BBC where he changed his diet. So then he was eating predominantly processed foods um, for four weeks. And in those four weeks, um, what the they found was that the hormones in his body got completely messed up and the hormones signaling to his brain that he was full um, completely decreased and the hormone signaling to his brain that he was hungry increased. So it just completely messes with your hormones and, inf- and sends you into this kind of like false sense of feeling hungry when you're absolutely not and then you just overeat. And also, of course... These foods are highly addictive. They're created with these like perfect proportions of salt to fat to sugar to um, carbs to everything else. And that um, makes them highly palatable is a term that Chris uses a lot. 
and this makes yeah. them incredibly addictive and we all know that feeling and uh, that's literally what's happened like I cannot eat just a few oh, crisps no. and a bag of crisps no. I have to finish it I can't it's like something takes over they're literally but addictive this is the same as like takeaway sometimes like there's sometimes I'll get a takeaway yeah. and I'm eating it and I'm like I'm not even enjoying this anymore like but you have to keep going like, it's wild I'll be eating Pringles and my tongue will literally <laughs> hurt from the salt and vinegar but I'll still yeah. eat them but it's funny <laughs> because like when you think about takeaway even if it was crap the last time you had it right sometimes you get it and it just doesn't have the spot right even if it was crap yeah. you still have it in your mind that this is going to bring me joy this is going to bring me joy yeah and there's like things yeah, in it's it hypnotizing. that are addictive that is telling you to go back to it. It's mad. Yeah, absolutely. And food cravings are really real. There was another another segue then before I go back to the harms. There is a really interesting video. I put all, we'll put all these links in um, the show notes. But there is a video, there's this guy that does the plant-based news on YouTube. And he did the similar experiment. So he went on to ultra-processed foods for six months to see what happened to his body. Um, and... He's also a personal trainer and he's a huge advocate for a whole food plant-based diet. And he, the difference in these six months is staggering. There's like before and after pictures. He gains so much weight. He has so many, he has a huge drop in his mental health. He has no libido. He feels low mood, doesn't feel optimistic about the world around him. He has sleep disturbances and has huge, and like huge weight gain. Like he has symptoms of a heart attack. So bearing in mind, this is like basically an athlete before this experiment. And just from consuming these foods for a few months, he had symptoms of a heart attack, had to go to hospital. And then he said that when he would then reversed it because he wanted to like go back again. So then this, this, it took like however long to go back to his original physique. And in that time, he was like, for the first few weeks, it, there are intense food cravings. So even though mm. he now knows that it's caused all of this harm mm. and all of these negative consequences to his life, his emotional life, his physical body, his self-esteem. He still had these crazy food cravings. He was like sat eating a bowl of pasta afterwards, like a healthy pasta. And he's like, all I want to do is eat an entire garlic baguette with this. But I know <laughs> that it's not going to make my body feel good. I know it's not going to make my mind feel good. I know it's incredibly bad for me. I know that there's addictive substances in it and that's why I'm craving it. And yet I still crave it and I want, I, I'm just taking all the willpower. And he's like if my cupboards were still full with the same stuff that they were before I have no doubt that I would eat it all so then it's kind of brings the question of willpower into into the, mm. the picture and it's like we fat shame so much in our society because we think that people that are overweight just have a lack of willpower but it's so much deeper than that yeah but it's not like it's like they've gripped yeah. you and also the weight when people are overweight it doesn't really mean anything because there's slim people who are exactly the same. It just doesn't show in them the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll be addicted to these foods yeah. as well. Like I would say the majority of our society is completely yeah. addicted to these foods. And it's because they're so, they're yeah. geniuses in trapping you and making you want them and making you look like you'll be happier with these items. Yeah. It's sad because there's probably a lot of people suffering from a lot of things that have massive links to ultra processed yeah. food and they'll just never yeah. know because so many of the ultra processed foods that we think are healthy like granola everyone yeah. thinks granola is healthy mm -hmm. but if you look at the back like 
from a generic brand there's so much crap in it and then things like cereals as well as a big one and it's like these are meant to be the healthy things and these are what people are ashamed about eating the bad things totally and it's in the good things too it's the, it's the same thing and it's, it's, so it's bad. like there's this sinister conflict of interest going on as well and this is similar to how i feel about the welfare standards that go on to meat products there's like this conflict of interest where the people that issue these welfare certificates actually are involved with the production of the meat so of course they're going to say that it meets the red tractor mm. seal of approval and the same thing is going on with ultra processed foods the people that are supposed to determine the health outcomes of it how healthy it is for you the harms etc are more often than not involved with the production of these foods so there's this horrible conflict of interest and yeah like i looked up chris um Tolkien a lot after Kerry mentioned the book she was reading and I saw him talking on a podcast um, also on the BBC and he was saying that like the number one thing that he would try and change is to stop this conflict of interest that shouldn't be allowed to happen because it's misleading people so much because they think they're making healthy choices and it's so unfair like what the fuck yeah absolutely like even with the little traffic light system that's on the packet yeah you know, it tells you this is good or this is bad. And sometimes really healthy foods will have like a really high red saturated fat. But that's, that does not explain what's actually in the product. And there's things that'll be green, 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 green that are packed full of random ingredients that you don't know what they are. So you're going to eat them and then you're going to want something else. So it has a knock on effect. So you end up eating way more and... Mm-hmm. worse foods than you would have initially next risk is cardiovascular problems so many ultra processed foods contain high levels of trans fats sodium and added sugars which can raise blood pressure increase bad cholesterol and contribute to the development of heart disease and cardiovascular problems another thing to be aware of is type 2 diabetes the excessive consumption of ultra-processed foods is associated with an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes due to their high glycemic index and added sugars, which can lead to insulin resistance and impaired glucose metabolism. We've also got increased cancer risk, so ultra-processed foods often contain additives, preservatives and artificial ingredients that have been linked to an increased risk of certain cancers such as colorectal cancer, breast cancer and pancreatic cancer. And of course another problem with ultra-processed food is digestive issues. Ultra-processed foods are typically low in fibre, even if they tell you it's high, and can disrupt the balance of gut bacteria leading to digestive problems such as constipation, bloating and an increased risk of gastrointestinal disorders. And on on the topic of gut health, emulsifiers specifically have been shown to be really really bad for your gut biome because essentially it acts like a detergent and it strips all of the healthy biome from your gut. Not all, we can't say all, but it strips a lot of the healthy biome from your gut. And we've learned a lot in recent years um, about the importance of the gut. It is co- It links to your whole system, basically, especially your mental health and your mental well-being. So you could be stuck in this vicious link with the ultra-processed foods. Um, the, the more you eat, the, more, the worse you feel, the more you want to eat, to think, thinking you're going to feel better and the worse you feel. And um, yeah, this can also lead to something that's called leaky gut syndrome and where 
um, biomes from your gut are actually leaking and the bacteria is leaking and it can lead to liver failure because all these toxins are then getting processed by your liver. So really nasty stuff, um, emulsifiers. Um, and emulsifier is basically something that binds things together. Next thing to mention is negative impact on mental health. So studies show that diets rich in old processed foods may contribute to mental health issues, including depression and anxiety. And additionally, the addictive nature of these foods can lead to emotional eating and further exacerbate mental health problems. And finally, environmental impact. The production and packaging of ultra-processed foods often involves significant amounts of energy, water and resources contributing to environmental degradation and carbon emissions, further exacerbating climate change. So it's not looking good with the ultra-processed <laughs> foods. <laughs> it's not looking good. Yeah, it's not got much going for it apart from pretty colours and shiny little elephants on the front. You've probably come across this, Carrie, reading the book, but Chris says... You might be tempted to hero this and be like, that's it, I'm never going to eat ultra-processed food ever again, I'm cutting it out of my life. But he actually recommends to continue to eat the ultra-processed foods whilst you're having these revelations and realisations. And you'll find that you start to eat them with a lot more kind of um, interrogation and mindfulness where you're really thinking about how it tastes, how it feels in your mouth, can you feel these dodgy chemicals in it, can you feel... Um, how kind of artificial it is and it's kind of like a bit of a it gets to a point where you naturally just feel repulsed by the products and don't want to eat them anymore i've been looking at this a lot recently and listening to a lot of podcasts about it and i got a tesco meal deal the other day and i was literally like chewing the bread like yes yeah. it's all i could think about was how much was in that how on yeah real not as unreal as unreal but like yeah. literally not real the bread was so like even today right i was yeah. like right i'm gonna get proper bread without all the stuff in it i went and asked her and i literally couldn't find any yeah. bread that wasn't ultra processed and there's bread that's like baked in store today there's literally a bakery in store and it still had loads yeah. of loads of ingredients in it so like you have to go to a bakery it seems Whoa. seems that's the only way and even is that still ultra yeah. processed make it, or oh, make it yourself but who's got time for that, for that? these own. are the problems who's got time for that and this is a discrimination that's going on because it kind of ties into this concept of food swamps and food deserts which is a, a, a point of view where people that live in typically impoverished areas they have no access to healthier food options because mm -hmm. the cheapest food to produce is the super ultra processed foods and they have no choice with their socioeconomic status but to make these poor choices and to buy the ultra processed food which is bad for them and that is just like a horrible system that we're in now where this stuff is so inaccessible for the majority of people because I'm I it was like on the podcast where I heard Chris speaking he was talking about mm. the a percentage of your wages that would go into preparing food if you were completely whole food and you were preparing yeah. everything from scratch is something like 70% no. of your wages would be going into your food. No one can afford that. So this is like a white privilege thing that's going on now where only rich white people actually can, armed with this logic, yeah. can actually make a change. But what about everyone else? It's just like, it just feels like, yeah, it's terrible. It, it, it really taps into some quality. 
um yeah like it yeah. comes back to that profit and convenience area of this so companies can bulk up the foods with overprocessed cheap materials and then people stay addicted to them and they keep eating them and then they keep getting encouraged to buy more of the product and then the cycle just continues on and it's funny because kids are gripped from such a young age like they're marketed cocoa pops or frosties are marketed yeah. towards really young kids so before kids can even speak they're literally addicted to ultra processed foods there's a nostalgia to it as well if you think about smiley faces yeah, and turkey dinosaurs yeah. and all of these things that you think back on and then you eat them again you're like oh actually they taste crap i remember eating smiley faces again and be thinking they, they thinking they don't even taste like anything yeah, I actually don't know the ingredients with smiley faces. They might not be that <laughs> ultra processed. Something I really want to touch on is vegan foods. So obviously me and Rachel started this podcast on veganism and we're, well, I'm certainly moving away from that vibe of veganism. And one of the reasons actually a big part of it is how processed everything is like the cheeses are ultra processed the meats are ultra processed and whilst I didn't eat a massive amount of them like I still saw myself adding them into things quite a lot and just reading the packaging I was always just looking thing like looking for things like milk or eggs but I wasn't looking at all of the random ingredients in it and it makes me think of how I would speak to meat eaters if I was speaking to them about veganism, trying to fight that vegan corner. I would always use the argument, oh, but you don't know where your meat comes from. And I'm actually like a bit embarrassed even thinking back to saying that because for the longest time, there's always been, I wouldn't say I really judged people, but I was quite like, oh my God, I can't believe you're not vegan. You don't know where your meat comes from. Do any of us know where anything comes from like do you know where your vegetables come from nope you might know what country do you know what farm they come from do you know what pesticides are used do you know what different ingredients are in your vegan cheese do you know the environmental impact of the company that make your vegan cheese do you know what the farmers are being paid for that coconut oil that's in your vegan cheese and this is something I mean this is something you could get really deep into the darkest hole of this I'm not saying for everyone to do that um but I think we need to have a bit more tolerance if you're using these arguments you know like where does your meat come from I think it's really quite unfair because I don't think any of us know where all of our stuff comes from and a good example of this is cocoa beans and chocolate is obviously made out of cocoa beans as well as vegan chocolate and it's come out recently how much slavery there is in West Africa to get these cocoa beans, like human slavery. And it doesn't say that anywhere in the packaging. You're not going to know that. You're buying vegan chocolate and expecting it to be ethical. And again, you're being scammed by these big companies. And whether it's a vegan product or not does not always mean that it's an ethical company unfortunately absolutely absolutely not there's also like a thing with monkeys 
um, there's been organizations that have um, been investigating the production mm. of coconuts. I've seen this. And they find that there's many like coconut um, producers where they force monkeys to climb the trees and to pick the coconuts off. And then they're obviously kept in really inhumane, horrible conditions in cages and everything um, when they're not harvesting the coconuts. So yeah, there are hidden layers of fuckery going on. There's also the forced pollination of nuts by bees, the forced pollination of avocados. Of course, we also need to think about the transportation of foods and um, the pollution that can occur from this because we're taking more and more exotic fruits and vegetables that aren't from our own country. But to offer a little bit of a counter to this is all of that is the case and I think it's important to learn about ultra processing and to be more conscientious about where you're choosing to get your food from and trying to see if you can find suppliers where their supply link is a little bit more visible um, to the consumer to make more conscientious choices but I guess it's just it comes back for me to the harm um, element and there's a lot of harm going on with the production of vegan food that's 100% true but for me it feels a lot more unnecessary cruelty is going on with the production of meat especially cheap meat and especially processed meat the animals are kept in such abhorrent conditions um and that's a kind of stepping stone that i can't quite um get past like i feel really put off ultra processed foods now really put off and really disheartened about this as well because you think you're trying to make a good choice and vegans unfortunately are eating highly processed foods because there's so many ingredients in there that are not natural at all because they're trying to mimic meat or mimic egg or mimic whatever um so that's really disheartening that's that's going on when you're trying to make a good choice in terms of the environment in terms of your health and in terms of the animals but i guess for me, it still feels like the harm that goes into industrial farmed animals is greater. And of course, we still need to grow crops to feed the animals, to make the meat as well. So it still feels like, although it's not environmentally friendly per se to produce any food, it still feels more environmentally destructive to produce meat when you could just grow the crops for people to eat. And that includes the transportation that's going on as well. But... I think it's an eye-opener though and I think it's kind of like it's I think it's something that I have been turning a blind eye to or been a bit ignorant about that there is harm in the production of vegan foods and ultra-processed vegan food is not good for you no matter what the marketing says it says it's made out of a sausage the sausage is made out of a mushroom but there's so much more like the binding agents that are bringing all that together we've learned actually ruins your gut biome yeah, so it do doesn't also matter think if it's made about... out of a mushroom like if you're buying off I just keep thinking like Richmond sausages because I know they're so popular in the UK if you're buying the vegan Richmond sausages you're potentially probably actually mm-hmm. still paying for the marketing of meat products do you know what I mean if you're still buying from a meat company and just buying yeah. their meat substitutes yeah. I suppose hopefully the goal is to get more people to stop buying the meat and buy the meat free things so less animals are killed yeah but i don't feel too convinced by it all it's like the plant range at burger king yeah it's a whole absolute fuckery yeah and i hate it all i hate it all yeah it's 
it is wild but it, it is kind of like if you're mm. if your choices are to either you know buy muscles say um which in fairness are not that excessive check out episode yeah one. <laughs> check out episode one which in 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 like i admittedly they're not that accessible for everyone although most supermarkets have them in the freezer range um but if you're if you're torn between buying muscles and buying vegan chicken nuggets then now i would say 100% buy the muscles 100% and if you're torn between eating some chickens um eggs from your friend who owns some chickens and they roam around their garden happy as larry rather than eating a beyond meat burger i would say eat eat the eggs i would say eat the eggs but if it's eat a beef burger or eat a beyond meat burger i would say eat the beyond meat burger still personally it's dependent on that but this is the thing yeah i'm not saying that all animal products are not processed absolutely not so many made things that are so ultra processed like sausages are the ultimate one i mean the inspiration for the title so rachel final thoughts what are your thoughts on ultra processed foods i feel a little bit heartbroken and like i've been very naive um and with my head in the sand a little bit about ultra processed foods um of course, when I spent my time living at Shambhala, the yoga retreat centre, we're eating whole food diet. Um, and I got in touch with a groups of people that refused to eat anything processed. But I don't think I ever fully gave myself the time to think about what's going on with the ultra processed foods and why they're bad for you and how much sinister stuff is going on with them being addictive and messing up with our hormones, messing up with our mental health. Um, I thought it was just a comfort thing which was a little bit bad for you. I didn't realise the levels of how bad it is. Learning that it's like the number one cause of like early death is eating ultra processed foods leaves me a little bit um, shell-shocked. So I feel very sad that this is the world we live in and I feel empowered to eat more of a whole food diet um, and try and make things from scratch as much as possible. And yeah, I'm trying the, I'm doing the approach of keeping the ultra processed things in my fridge whilst doing this learning. And it does make you look at it differently. I'm looking at the vegan cheese very differently. I'm looking at the vegan mayonnaise very differently. And I am getting to a point where it's very, it's really not appetizing anymore. And I do think I'll get to a point where I make everything from scratch. I imagine myself making my own pizza dough, my own bread, my own milk, my own everything, having chickens in the garden. I imagine it all learning how to go fishing and maybe occasionally eating catching and eating a fish i see it all so yeah that's how i feel ultra processed food is terrible basically what about you carrie yeah no i feel the same since i found out about this it's honestly changed my life a wee bit like just the amount of lies that are being told to us and how much we've been sucked in and I think I'm just kind of taking a step back a minute and looking at more points of view. And I find myself craving less ultra processed foods because I've been thinking about this for about a month now, the whole ultra processed thing. And I definitely feel like I'm really, it's in my head now and I can't get it out. I'm very aware of it. I'm not going to like say I'm going to eliminate them completely because I'm out. Am I going to? get a pizza yeah i probably am am i gonna get ice cream yeah probably but like i think just being aware of it and 
buying it less in the house is probably a good idea. Yeah. And then allowing your... Oh, not allowing yourself. I actually hate that terminology. <laughs> Just changing the ratio. Your house, yeah, because you can buy whatever you want. And then when you're out and about yeah, at a restaurant, exactly. it's a bit different. Because you're not going to be like, yeah. all right, can you show me an ingredient list for your bagels? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I'm more mindful and... Yeah. Absolutely. Being I realistic, think we need I think, to go is important. Back to basics yeah. a little bit, and that's the bottom line here. Try not to get caught up and yeah, overcomplicate things. Exactly. Here, here. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in thank to you. episode two of season two. Dirty we hope vegetables. you like this new format. Let us know what you think. You can email us at dirtyvegetables dot at gmail dot com at gmail dot com. And you can um, send us a message on Instagram and give us a wee follow at Dirty Vegetables. And we'll catch you in the next With one. With a Z. With a Z. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.